Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Welcome, my creepy ghouls and devilish daisies. Not sure if that's a thing, but I'm sticking with it. <laughs> I wanted to launch your week with a creepy pasta. You know, to get this week's creepylicious vibe rolling. Our story today is written by Christopher Murray, and it's titled Whispers from the Woods. If you hear your name whispered, you are not safe. If you hear your name on the wind, double check your surroundings. For today's tale, our protagonist, Daniel, did indeed hear his name on the wind and ignored those warning signs. Turn the lights off, the sound up, grab yourself a hot, delicious black or grey, and get ready for something creepy. I remember when I first moved into this accursed house. I was ten years old and loved all the things a ten-year-old boy loves. You know, climbing trees, catching bugs, playing cowboys and Indians, those sort of things. We had moved from the hustle and bustle of the Big Smoke to the small Cheshire village of Helsby. Helsby, with its prominent redstone hill, sits nestled at the top of the Mersey estuary. The hill sports a thick covering of gnarled trees, misshapen by the strong onshore winds that rush from their home on the Irish Sea funneled by the estuary, which comes to a rest at the foot of the hill. The village is also surrounded by a vast expanse of marsh, that holds a depressing sullen atmosphere even on a clear sunny day. The various wetland birds adding a constant chorus of shrill cries. Our new country home was, and still is, an old Jacobine house, with a sprawling garden to the rear scaling the looming red hill behind. A venerable playground for a ten-year-old boy. The first thing I noticed upon moving to Helsby was how quiet it was at night. You could hear a pin drop and this silence was quite unsettling, having been used to the constant ebb and flow emanating from the Liverpool streets. I would sit up in the bed for hours, listening for any sort of noise, fancying I could hear people talking, or the pitter-patter of mice scurrying around in the dark. Sometimes, though, I thought I could hear other things. Things more sinister. Things I knew that were just beyond my sight. Hidden in the inky shadows. The first time I became aware of the low, barely audible whisper was maybe three or four weeks after we moved in. I was not frightened or worried by this, as I merely assumed it was my parents talking or exchanging some heated words, as they often did. Theirs was a fractious relationship, with my mother wanting more for herself, and indeed us, and my poor father being unable to provide. The whispers started during a tempestuous storm that raged outside my window. The wind and rain battering the front of our rust-colored house. I had just finished reading and was about to doze off when I thought I heard my name being called in a low muffled tone. Daniel. Daniel. It repeats perhaps four or five times. I quickly flipped on my bedside light but, but couldn't for the life of me figure out where my name was coming from. I sat there in the dark, the covers pulled up to my chin. I must have sat for an hour or more straining to hear. 
In the end, I put it down to my imagination, and eventually dozed off in a sound, dreamless sleep. The next morning downstairs over breakfast, I asked, Mother, did you call me last night? She said that she hadn't and turning to my father asked the same. He had not either. He told me that old houses make strange noises, and with the sound of last night's vicious storm, that I shouldn't worry. In fact, that I would soon get used to them. He jokingly teased that my overactive imagination was playing tricks on me. Oh, how I wish that were true. That day, I ventured outside to inspect the storm damage. Murky grey clouds still hung to the hill summit, giving it the impression it was much more immense than it was. Looking up into the tree line, I was amazed by the volume of old trees that had fallen in the night, lying motionless on the hillside like fallen soldiers. Many of these trees appeared to have rotted from the inside out, probably due to some insidious fungus slowly draining the old tree's life. That evening after dinner, I sat at a desk in the front room doodling in a great scrapbook, quietly nestled in a moldy cobweb-filled alcove when again heard that menacing whisper of my name. I turned, looking around the room, but nothing was there. It couldn't be the storm now, as there wasn't one. So, as my father said, I put it down to my overactive imagination and continued to doodle. When I again heard, Daniel. This time, followed by quick successions of pattering feet, knocking my chair backwards to the ground, I slowly approached the old mahogany sideboard where I had last heard the pattering of small unseen feet come to a stop, only to find nothing there. Confused and frightened by this, I crouched down and looked under the sideboard, finding only dust-filled cobwebs. However, as I stood up, my fingers moved over a series of small scratches at shin height. On the sideboard leg, as if some miniature-sized human had been hiding, watching me with tiny clawed hands, gripped in around the leg of the sideboard. This growing feeling of being watched grew over the following weeks, as the frequency of whispering, along with an accumulation of other bizarre sounds, came to a climax late one evening, as I was playing close to the great oak just beyond our garden boundary. The sun had almost set, and long twisted shadows were being cast across the lawn, although I was far too absorbed collecting the abundant acorns scattered around the ancient tree to notice such things. That's when I spotted a pair of bright green eyes staring at me, with malicious intent from beyond in a clearing in the bushes. In front, I dropped my collection of acorns and shuffled back into the dirt, trying to put some distance between myself and this unknown creature. Perhaps 10 or 12 seconds had passed, but in my mind, it felt like an eternity. As the creature held its ground and stared into my eyes. Then, with a flash of a wide-toothy grin, it darted off into the bushes, leaving me trembling all over. I knew then that this was my unseen stalker. Not much happened after the incident in the garden that day, and the winter passed relatively uneventful. The leaves shifted through the spectrum of colours. Christmas came and went as the first signs of life had appeared once again on the looming heights of Hellsby Hill, and I grew confident that the evil little creature with all that harm and hate in his eyes had gone for good. 
We were in the midst of an unseasonably warm spring, and much of my free time was spent exploring the lows and highs of the hill at the back of my house. I had become an avid adventurer, being that little bit older, which gave me the confidence to wander further and further than previously allowed. This, in hindsight, was my undoing, for one sunny weekend afternoon, I was hurriedly making my way up the rat track I had worn into the garden lawn, bursting through the flimsy fence headfirst into the bushes and trees. I was scrambling and climbing steadily to the first vantage point on the hill, when I felt a sharp, painful scratch on the back of my leg, followed by what sounded like laughter. When I had reached the huge rotted log, which marked the vantage point, I stopped to examine the source of my pain, and to my horror, found five tiny evenly spaced tears in my trousers, which had also cut my skin and drawn blood. I sat there in shock for what seemed an age, panic-stricken and paralyzed with fear, as the realization that whatever was stalking me in my home was actively following me and now causing me harm. When I finally zoned back in, I felt a massive rush of adrenaline and I hurriedly made my way home, only stopping to quickly listen to see if I was being followed. When I arrived home, I was shaken, and seeing my nervous state and the tatty condition of my trousers, my mother asked me what happened. I dismissed her by telling her the neighbor's dog had chased me, and in my effort to flee, had torn my trousers on a bramble for I dare not tell her the truth. Besides, would my parents have even believed me? That evening as I prepared for bed, I was on edge fearing whatever had attacked me that afternoon would make its way into the house, into my room, and this time caused me considerably more harm. I spent over an hour checking all the usual places a child checks, under the bed, in the wardrobe, and the other numerous shadow-filled spaces around my room. Only when I had deemed my room creature free, did I venture to sleep. The night passed without incident, or so I thought, as upon waking, I found the bed sheets around me littered with the crisscross of tiny clawed feet and handprints, some of which had only been centimeters from my sleeping head. I let out a scream and ran for the room, Shrieking, I dragged my mother and father to my room to show them what had happened in the depths of the night. Surely, they had to believe me now. Entering the room and seeing for themselves the state of the bedsheets, they surmised that a wild animal had perhaps gotten in during the night. A wild animal here in the Cheshire countryside? The closest thing to a wild animal was Mrs. Anderson's Shih Tzu further along the street. However, Upon inspecting the footprint and claw marks, they became more confused than anxious, and laughed it off as a clever prank I had played on them, telling me that I should apply those brains to my schoolwork. I went to school that day terrified out of my mind, knowing that something was living in the woods behind my house. Who could enter my house unseen and climb onto my bed and do God knows what to me whilst I slept? The school day passed painfully slow, but it did allow me to think about how I would deal with whatever was going on. Finally, school had finished and I arrived home with my mind made up to take on whatever had come uninvited into my room the previous night. That night, I sat up all night, 
Well past my usual 8pm bedtime, my mother and father had gone to bed and as far as I could tell, were sound asleep. At around midnight, as I wholeheartedly fought to stay awake, I heard the pitter-patter of those horrible little clawed feet, followed by the low whisper of, Daniel. My heart started to race, and I frantically scanned the room, looking for the source of the whispering voice. Then, suddenly, my eyes fell upon it, standing there in the corner of my room. Having seemingly come through a small hatch I had never noticed in the bedroom floor, as if it was covered by a small table. I guess it would use the piping in the house to get around, or something. It stood hunched, maybe a foot and a half tall, with long thin arms, ending in short stubby claw-like fingers. It had huge green shining eyes that even in the low light of the room still shone unnaturally bright. Its torso was quite stumpy for the length of its arms and legs, and its legs were also long, ending in short stubby feet with hideous clawed toes. Its skin from what I could tell in the dim light of the room was a mottled green-grey colour, stretched over a bony misshapen skeleton. It stood there, watching me for an age before it started to walk over towards me, its clawed feet tinkering on the ground as it walked. I sat there petrified, unable to move. The next thing I knew, it had shot across the room and was there on my bed crawling towards me its hideous clawing hands making tiny tears in the bedsheets as its feet and legs left dirty smudges on my white linen, all the while whispering in the horrible low guttural tone, Daniel. I shut my eyes and hoped it would all go away. I opened my eyes and the creature was gone. Bright spring sunshine threading its luminous tendrils through my bedroom curtains. Was it all a dream? I asked myself, assuming I must have fallen asleep and dreamt the entire thing. I jumped out of bed and hurried downstairs in the search of breakfast. When I arrived in the kitchen, I could see my mother standing by the sink with her face in her hands, heavy sobs lurching from her body. My father was standing there with a hand on her back, making small affectionate circles, as if to comfort her. This shocked me. I approached unsure of what had happened, that my mother spoke in a faint whispering cry. How could this have happened? What has happened to our boy? I was confused. What boy? Did they mean me? I asked, Father, what is wrong? What has happened? He turned to look at me, saying, nothing. His hazy eyes filled with tears. He gave my mother a short hug and walked towards me, all the while tears streaming down his face. I was growing more and more alarmed. I asked again, Father, Mother, what has happened? What is going on? Still, nothing. He reached the door and walked past me up the stairs. I followed him, unsure of what I would find, as he headed towards my bedroom door. Turning the handle, he entered, the door giving the usual squeak, and there I could see a form on my bed covered in my duvet. 
I screamed and rushed into the room. What was this? Who was this? I turned to my father, standing there in the doorway. He seemed unsure whether to enter. He ignored me still. I stood, motionless. As he approached the bed and pulled back the covers, and there in that bed lay... Me. I know now that whatever lives in the wooded expanse of that redstone hill ruthlessly murdered me that night, and that it sits there, in the undergrowth, waiting for another boy or girl to come live here in my house. But I suppose it won't be all that bad, for at least I'll have someone to play with. This story was written by, and all credit goes to, Christopher Murray. Yikes, not a happy ending for this story, right? So many questions at the end also. Is Daniel a ghost? Perhaps. Is he bound to that house? Maybe. Will he be tortured by the creature that took his life? Hmm, I hope not. Either way, that's a terrible way to go. Tomorrow, I'm going to cover some listener stories. Something different as always. So stick with me then. And if you get a chance to swing on by iTunes and rate the podcast... That would be fantastic. Every star helps, and if you leave any comments, and I really hope you can, I can thank you directly on the show via shoutouts. And speaking of shoutouts, I want to go through my top 10 current SoundCloud listeners. We have Lynn Geis, Doug Hill 2, Quindon the Bunny Quincy, Michael Lamb 40, Steed, Nina, Hamit Singh, T Can, Divided by Zero, and Sniped IT. You guys have been powering through my episode, so thank you. And my top three listener cities are Germantown, Maryland, Redwood City, California, and San Francisco, California. A big shout out to you guys and gals for listening so hardcore. <laughs> and to all of you listening on the other end, thank you so much for listening. And join me tomorrow for some creepy listener horror stories. And as always, till next time.